Okay, hello. Welcome to episode 301 of Sack King's Therapy. Uh, today, we're going to go through even more draft picks, or yeah, potential draft picks at number 24. And we'll also go through some news that have been going on around the league and some revolving around the Kings. But uh, to jump into this one, we're going to start with the draft. There are three more guys that me and Fong are going to go over. And before I start rambling again, let's introduce Fong. Hello. So uh, what did you think of these three guys that we picked before we even reveal their names? I'm, to be honest, I might need to watch even more footage on some of these guys. I mean, all of them have really good upside and, you know, certain uh, abilities that they do have. But some of their weaknesses kind of turn me off. But, you know, you never know how it will translate to the NBA, as we always say when uh, it comes to these uh, draft picks. So, I mean... Maybe it won't carry on over, and uh, maybe they'll be just a, a diamond in the rough. All right, so for this uh, this kind of episode of the draft, I kind of want to try something new. So basically, we're going to kind of go over some stuff, uh, just like some of their characteristics, and I'm going to ask you some questions about these guys. And that's how we'll do each of these draft picks. So uh, the three guys that we're going to be doing, uh, Maxwell Lewis from Pepperdine, uh, Noah Clownley from uh, Alabama, and uh, City Sissoko from the G League Ignite. So, to start off, let's uh, let's start with Maxwell Lewis, uh, six seven uh, guard. He's listed at no six seven forward. He's he's actually listed as a forward. He plays like a guard, but he's listed at forward. He has a seven foot wingspan, according to Draft Express. I did read that he actually has a six ten wingspan from. Uh, from Adam Spinella on YouTube. So I don't know what to believe, but he has a decent wingspan. Let's just leave it at that. So the main thing with him, he's a shooter. Yeah, <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> uh, definitely a, a, a very a good, I guess you could say, offensive type player. Um, other than that, I mean, should we go through, uh, I guess, his... Uh, abilities yeah let's yeah again let, let's start with the shooting so his, he's a good shooter however if you look at his stats uh so he averaged 17.1 points 5.7 rebounds 2.8 assists and he also shot uh 46 from the field that's very good 34 percent from three that's not very good yeah like if you want to split them apart from catch and shoot threes and off the dribble freeze i mean his catch and shoot threes are pretty good, I'd say. I think it was forty four point one percent about, but his off the dribble threes, oh my goodness, twenty eight percent. Yeah, no, no, yeah, that's the part. So, like, that is either a product of just his the offense not um uh, not generating him very good looks, or it's a it's I or maybe he's just a little trigger happy. You know, has some shot selection issues. I didn't watch enough tape to figure out which one. But there is a lot of shooting potential here. Yeah, definitely his shot, I would say, personally, looks pretty fluid for the most part. I think his, uh, you know, lift and all that seemed pretty good in terms of, like, getting the, whatchamacallit, pretty good energy to the ball to make the shot. And, yeah, I'd say he should be fine as long as he doesn't take 
many hasty threes, I guess. So he likes to take a lot of step back threes. I have a I have a note here. The potential is there. The percentage isn't. So like part of it is just his shot selection. I think these things will get ironed out because Mike Brown will bench his ass right away if he takes a step back three. <laughs> um, so there will be a lot, and there will be a lot of catch and shoot um, opportunities available uh, if he gets the chance to even play. So I'm not actually that overall worried about it. I think he is a real shooter. Like as you mentioned, good form, good energy transfer, not you know a good just good rhythm overall. He's he's definitely a shooter to me. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Um, however, he, right as of now, he's not a guy that can break down the defense off the dribble, and like he, he can't. He's not like you know he's not your tip, he's not your elite level ISO guy to break the defense down like just from an ISO up top. He's more of a you know catching like catch and attack a closeout type guy which which would be perfect for the kings um and you know the handle stuff i don't know where i lean on whether he has that the like does he i guess his ceiling will be determined by how good his handle gets and that's just stuff i i don't know how to measure yeah that's tough especially in the ncaa and like transferring to the nba so I mean, as long as he doesn't do too much, I guess he should be fine. Like you said, in the actual system, not saying that Pepperdine is, you know, uh, I guess a lower tier school in terms of basketball, but uh, probably the system is there. Doug will like to have a word with you. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, that's right. I forgot he went from Pepperdine, but uh, definitely in a system where you have a role in a team. I think uh, he should be just fine, especially if it were to be the Kings. He also um, has really long strides that would, I think, work perfectly on the Kings. Again, like guys are going to create for him on this team. Like he's he's probably the fifth option for the most part if he ever gets to play. And yeah, he's not going to really get the chance to do too much. And, you know, like they'll see a practice if he, if they're gonna allow him to dribble uh, as much as he does. Um, l- let's move on to some of his passing. I thought his passing was pretty good for the most part. Like he, it, it, he's not like you know you know we're watching the conference finals right now. He's definitely not Jokic or anything, or he's not like you know Trey Young. But like he's a willing passer, and like if he has his head up, he will make the right pass. Yeah, he definitely makes like I wouldn't say the bare minimum type of reads but i mean it's a very uh serviceable um type of playmaking ability that i mean will be definitely helpful for the kings for sure yeah and like again he's not going to be asked to create from up top hopefully so like he's not gonna have to make advanced read he just needs to keep his head up and make the right pass and you know that's perfect for the king's offense Mm -hmm. okay Let's uh let's get to some of the iffy stuff. Uh, we'll, we already went over some of the iffy stuff with the shot selection, but the defense, not good, not no. good at all. No, no, no. Whether it's on ball or it's off ball, it's just he he was getting blown by constantly. He was lacking awareness and just not a lot of effort overall. Yeah, he he definitely gives up after maybe halfway through a offender's uh. <laughs> drive or even oh man even sometimes in the perimeter it seems like he just gives up a lot of uh looks and uh all that but i mean i i, I could see him doing well kind of like in a 1v1 situation 
due to just his pure size, but yeah, like I said, it's just the effort. I think uh, that needs to be uh, talked about, uh, and I think he should be a very serviceable defender in the league. Yeah, so like you, so that's going to be what was going to be my question is like, do you think this fi- fixes itself in in the NBA? Because like there are examples of like bad uh, college defenders and bad defensive systems or like where they're just not playing for much you know like there are examples like ben simmons uh for example was a very bad defender john say murray was a very bad defender in college and um jayla McD- jada mcdaniels was the most surprising one to me not a guy i would call a defender at the college level then comes into the timberwolves as like as almost all defense right away so there are examples of this kind of frame you know, a player who's not that good um, on, in defense, doesn't show much effort, but then just completely changes it up at the next level. So you think this could change? Oh, I definitely think it can, uh, especially with his um, athleticism and, uh, you know, Peter Wayne. I think it was some, um, like I said, I don't want to say good coaching because I'm pretty sure the Pepperdine coaches are just fine. But I think with some talking to and uh, some uh, – Game some reps in i'm pretty sure he should be just fine and the thing with him is that there are flashes like he gets into passing lanes sometimes and as you mentioned he uses length and size and he's got he's got good strength to not straight up get bullied <coughs> sorry cough um like he uses length and he, he doesn't straight up get bullied it's just not consistent the effort there so like i think he can change to the next level like with the right kind of coaching yeah, that's for sure. So, overall, you you think his shooting is real, right? Yeah, for sure. Uh, definitely off the dribble might maybe need some work. Maybe he'll change in the NBA, but we'll have to see. Um, but in terms of his self creation and uh, you know, craftiness, I think he should be fine on the offensive end. Uh, yeah, it's just that defense is just dear God. And yeah, like you and you think they are fixable at the next level. Oh yeah, like you gave some examples of uh, guys that weren't defenders in you know the college level, but somehow became uh, all NBA type level defenders. So um, I'm pretty sure things can change, but you know it's up to the player to you know make those changes. And of course, the F the F word. Does he fit on the Kings? Hmm. I mean, he definitely does. I mean, we do need the shooting. I mean, his own self-creation in terms of uh, making buckets with or without any help is pretty nice. Um, Playmaking, I mean, all that says is that he's good at passing, I guess. So I'd say he should be, he should fit right in for sure. Um. And especially with the defense, I mean, if we don't play defense, why <laughs> why does he need to play defense? Let's hope that's not the case. But I think he fits very well with the Kings. Like, you know, he's a shooter. He's a wing with some size. And, you know, if he gets the playing time, he should be able to he should be able to contribute at least a little bit. I'm, I don't I just don't know if Mike Brown's gonna play him. Like seeing as how he didn't he didn't play Kata. He didn't play uh who's he well, he played Keegan. Keegan's a whole nother story, but like you know, he has a short leash with rookies and like Keon, Keon did not play much at all during the season. Like I just don't, I just don't see him like coming right in and being able to contribute. 
that's what's tricky for me about him. Like, I think he, I think he'd be great on the Kings, but I just don't see him finding a way to squeeze himself in the rotation, like unless an injury happens. Yeah, I definitely could see that. I mean, unless Woot Walton treatment of testing out uh, lineups in the beginning of the season for God, how, like how long? But um, yeah, I mean, he might get maybe a serviceable like seven, eight minutes a game to test the waters maybe in the beginning of the season. I don't think it'll be at the beginning of the season. I think it's when like in the middle of the season when there's an injury. I, I just mm-hmm. don't see it. Because you know he he's gonna have he's gonna like he's gonna have to work his way into the rotation, and if he's in the rotation, that's interesting. That would be very interesting. Yeah, that would be. But yeah, you know, knock on wood for no injuries because I I don't want that. <laughs> yeah, so we'll, we'll see. I think I think he I think he'd be a great pick at at uh at twenty four if he's still there on the board. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's move on to our second guy, uh, Noah Clownley from Alabama, 6'10-4 with a 7'2 wingspan. Uh, let So where do we start with him? Um, he's basically a big man who can, who can protect the rim and also kind of shoot. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, for once, uh, one, a rim protector, which I don't know, when was the last rim protector <laughs> on the Kings, would you say? Oh, you're going to do, you're going to date way back. This is way before <laughs> I ever was. Willie Cauley Stein, like that, that's all I can think of. Yeah, sure. But you know what? You know what? Who you know who was? Hassan Whiteside. Oh, that's man. that's the guy. Uh, stat pattern right there <laughs> for sure. But, but uh, yeah, so the, he would legitimately be probably one of the only rim protectors um that the kings have had in a while if the kings do draft them yeah definitely uh pretty good rim protector for sure uh, it's just uh, this is the one guy out three in my opinion that had kind of 50 50 throughout his uh board and by what i mean by that is i feel like he's a jack of all trades but definitely master of none <laughs> And like that's always tricky. And b- by the way, like I'm not trying to disrespect Kata, but Kata just didn't get to play. I don't know if Clown League's gonna play either. That that's gonna be tricky. But um, like yeah, so that's that's a dangerous thing to say because a jack of all trades guy, sure, that could work if it if it all comes together. Then like yeah, that can be a very very good player. But then if he's a jack of all trades and master of none, that can also mean he just doesn't do anything. But I think Noah Clownley does does do some things. Like, let's start. Let's start with this. What do you think of his shooting? Do you think it's a real thing? I need a bigger sample size, that's for sure. But definitely, when open, he's a good shooter from corners, corner threes. Um, pretty much as a spot up and potentially maybe catch and shoot. I mean, he his form looks fine. He has a pretty quick release. I mean, he has a pretty up good upside in the pick and pop situations with this and that. But when guarded, I mean, his percentages just drop, <laughs> and that kind of concerns me. I'd say. Uh, yeah. But before we get even deeper into it, he averaged a nine point eight points, uh, seven point nine rebounds, and 0.8 assists while shooting forty eight percent from the field and a twenty eight percent from three. And the free throw percentage isn't exactly uh, 
isn't exactly encouraging either. Sixty four point nine percent. Is overall, I love. I actually like his form. is very quick. is very smooth. But uh, as you mentioned, like when he's guarded, it's it's ugly. Yeah, it's like it's not consistent at all. Definitely, he had very short shots. I saw very air ball type shots definitely on some uh clips i saw and um i mean when guarded i mean it it could be uh, what what's the word it, it's just random <laughs> like he might speed it up too much and it, it'll like throw off his shot as well so yeah it's uh it's it's tough for him as a shooter i'd say and i mean in certain situations i can't see it work out as well in the league in my opinion with how you know big men are you know valued for having a good uh being a good four spacer so i don't know yeah it's he's gonna need to spend a lot of time working just on refining the shot and nailing down the mechanics again i think it's actually a very nice form overall like i believe in the long-term viability of the shot like it it's a very smooth and fluid shot. There's no hitch or like anything that actually stands out. The result is a whole nother thing. Like again, 28% overall is not good, but like he did, I think, what was it? What 30, I think 34% or something on uh catch and shoot. I don't have the number, but the, the catch and shoot numbers are decent. And I believe in the long-term viability, the numbers are not supportive of that, but I think he can be a spacer. But he's also he's not just a pick and popper. He can also roll to the rim really well. Like he's he's got good feel on that end. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, in terms of the roller, I mean, he's he's great. I mean, as long as he gets a full head of steam towards the rim, I mean, he's just doing fine. He could definitely uh, play next to Sabonis, I'd say, in those type of situations. Um, other than that, I mean, what do you think of his creativity in terms of like, uh, what you call ISIL kind of guy? Oh no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, just, just no. Like, I, like he's good, like on the roll or like you know on a cut. But if you're talking like him putting the ball on the floor on a closeout, that's not he's not ready for that stuff yet. That's gonna take some work, and. Overall, he's a very, very good complimentary player that I think can, you know, I don't know if he can do it in year one, like fit next to Sabonis, but like year two or three, I think he can be a really good complimentary for next to Sabonis. Like, you know, a guy that, a guy that you need next to next to Domas, like a rim protector who can also shoot, a la Miles Turner, ironically enough. But mm-hmm. like, that's what I'm particularly looking for. I don't think it's going to be him on, in his first year. There's just, like the shot just the shot needs so much work uh and you know it's going to take it's going to take a year or two to really refine the mechanics and like to you know better his consistency but and then like the rest of his game like you know the uh, you know the the cutting stuff i think that will allow him to get some minutes and then of course what will actually get him minutes is being able to play defense like he's a good rim protector he's a decent switch option but it's not all there yet. Yeah, I feel like if he also works on his footwork, especially in, in terms of lateral quickness, I mean, I feel like he could guard a plenty of, I guess you could say, forwards and 
you know, centers, of course, uh, not really looking for him, you know, guarding guards in any way. I feel like he'll just stay around the rim, uh, vaning <laughs> because, you know, he's a rim protector, uh, in terms of, as a, in terms of, uh, defense, but yeah, I mean, definitely. Yeah. In those one or two years, uh, maybe in the G league, he could work on all that stuff and, uh, yeah, hopefully he'll come out to a, uh, the product that uh, can fit next is a bonus for sure. Yeah, like I, his lateral quickness isn't like crazy. It's good enough to be able to survive on switches against guards and wings. You do not want him to guard wings and guards full time. Like he's going to get cooked if he gets pulled out to the perimeter. But like on a switch, that he's very he's very good. Like you know, he's got a long wingspan. He can you know give him an extra step and still contest the shot. And then of course, like if a guard t- tries to take him to the rim, he like you know if if he's in the right position, he can actually ch- do chase down blocks. Like he's very athletic, very long, and there's a lot of potential there. Mm-hmm. It's just that are we willing to take that kind of potential and wait wait it out and have him develop? Yeah, so like th- those are kind of my questions, kind of concerning him. Like, can he? Be, do you think he can be a real shooter or and a spacer for the Kings at the four? Like, you know, in a few, in a year or two. It's it's hard to say for me. Definitely in terms of spacing, maybe, but in terms of you know, the defensive versatility. Um, I mean, as long as he stays guarding the bigger men and you know slower uh forwards i think he should just be fine but i think a lot of teams can eat him up in terms of uh you know the floor spacing and all that and uh that's where it kind of gets tricky for me i feel do you think he'll be able to play next to domas coming out of college i would say yes but in terms of the rest of his skill set, I'm. It's gonna be tough to say. Do you think he would start? <laughs> like, let's just say the the only way he would start if Harrison Barnes isn't around and Ke- they move Keegan to the three. Um, like, do you think he would start in that in that alignment? Oh, man, I would rather have him develop first in uh, before uh, starting him. In my opinion, just because I think he does need some work. But if it's like last resort, I I guess I would have to say yes. I I think Trey Lyles would start um, if Harrison isn't there, and we don't get some sort of replacement. I think Trey Lyles would be an option before he, before getting to Noah, just because he's a rookie and doesn't really know what he's doing yet. Like you know, rookies just aren't usually aren't good, and you know, Mike Brown, as we've seen this year, is very hard on the rookie. Like Keegan, Keegan got got a really short leash sometimes, and you know, I just I just don't see Noah being an, being an exception to that rule. And you know, who knows? Maybe we'll uh, you know sign someone in the off season. Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to see how. Of course, that's the other thing. Like you know, with this pick, like we're projecting, like here's like these guys that we think can come in and maybe contribute, but more than likely they're not going to be able to, and more than likely it's probably going to end up being a free agent that actually contributes, and then this guy that we draft more or less will be sitting on the bench or in the G League. Yeah, it's a sad reality. 
in terms of uh you know the pick around uh these numbers so i mean it's not there's not many uh that can come right out college and uh contribute in a you know playoff ready team i guess you could say so i mean hopefully you know monty knows what he's doing and we could find that diamond in the rough and that could maybe potentially uh you know help other than that i mean i'd rather yeah have them you know develop more and uh hopefully in a few years uh you know actually become the player that uh we all dream of i guess yeah uh, okay uh last question for you do you think his perimeter issues are concerning and do you think like he can make up for it with you know his his ability to protect the rim mm, that's tough i'd say like i said his lateral quickness like if a uh, guy is going to drive from the perimeter in, that's going to be tough, but his perimeter defense, I don't know. I haven't seen too much of that. <laughs> Will he be able to guard Steph Curry in the Western Conference Finals on oh, a dear. switch? Oh, dear God, no. Well, no. well, then what are we doing? Yeah. Like I said, it's it, it's just his quickness. If, if he can work on his footwork, I think he'd be very well off in terms of his uh rim protection and uh potentially becoming a decent uh printer defender but as of right now i mean yeah definitely the type of guy that needs to work in the g league yeah i i think his perimeter issues are fine i think they're make i guess make upable <laughs> um and like i don't think it's as concerning like I do, I do wonder, like, can can he improve upon those things, like the the weaknesses that we talked about, like the shooting, um, some of the some of the kind of just the perimeter issues, like, do, are they are they going to weigh him down so much that the Kings are not going to be able to play him at all, and then he just ends up becoming a bust? Um, I think he, I think he's good enough to actually take a chance on for a lot of these things, and. I think like his, I think he can be a very good perimeter defender. I think he can be a good shooter, um, long term, and I think he, I think he could fit in on the Kings pretty well if like he is given the opportunity to. Hmm. For me, as of right now, he's kind of low on my list, uh, just because of um some of his weaknesses. But I mean, if he develops uh into that kind of guy that we need, I'll definitely give him a chance oh, man what I was about to say I mean in terms of defense I mean definitely uh, uh should stay towards the pain I'd say and hopefully you know the Kings help defense uh will come and save him if you know he gets into a slip up okay like so I I think I already know your answer to this but like what if he's just precious a chua what if he was Precious Achua? Like, if he's just as good as Precious Achua is now. I know you don't, I, I highly doubt you watch that many Raptor games, but like, the, your idea of him, like, if he's just that, would you be okay with that? Yeah, I think so. Then again, I don't, I don't like, like you have mentioned, I, I barely remember much of Precious Achua's uh, game. To be honest, uh, destroyed the Kings when he played that one time, but that's about mm-hmm. it. Yeah, pretty much. All right, the third and final uh, draft possibility. 
City Sissoko, 6'7 wing with a 6'9 wingspan. And I should have actually pulled up his stats. Let me just do that right now. All right. God damn it. Cover <laughs> cover for me while, while, while you do it. What, what were your thoughts on him? Well, first off, I, I kind of like, um, like personally, I don't know about you, but I personally like uh, like looking over guys that came from the G League, especially G League at night in the past. I, I couple... wish you would have said, like, I love looking at his ass. Because, <laughs> man, this man is, this man is yoked. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, he's pretty yoked in defense. That's all I could say. I mean, pretty much could guard up to uh, what two, two to five positions uh, projecting. Uh, so, I mean, he gets a lot of blocks, I got to say. Pretty solid on-ball defender. I'd say in terms of textbook defense, I mean, pretty nice. Yeah, I I had good form like defending the ball. Now, he does reach in. He's not a guy that's, you know completely immune to just reaching in doing stupid stuff like picking up stupid fouls but he has really good form when he's locked in like you know his arms are out and not reaching in and like he he also has his arms up as well and just not like you know not getting into the defender's space but definitely pressuring the ball Mm -hmm. and he's also very physical and very strong like you know has a has a beautiful ass not Kyle Lowry style but that, but that's a buff ass, like semi ojale type of ass. If you guys, uh, for the listeners who know who that is, uh, he also absorbs contact well and can guard big guys in the post on a switch. So yeah, you might be onto something with like two through five. I would say two through four. Five is ambitious. Hmm. Maybe, maybe if he puts on more weight. I, I forgot what his weight is and what was his height again. He is six seven, uh, two hundred pounds. Uh, Geely actually has him listed at six eight. Hmm. Okay. I mean, in terms of size, yeah, it might be a little tough in a, since he's a smaller forward. But I mean, maybe if he puts some weight, it could uh, be potentially something. Uh, maybe for the smaller fives, definitely not maybe the Jokic's or Giannis's, maybe. But to be fair, like, no one really guards them <laughs> like that. We, we've <laughs> kind of seen that. Like, you know, AD got lit up in the conference finals. We'll talk about that, but yeah, you know, no, no one guards those guys. You you just do what you can with those guys. I don't mind that. Um, anyways, really like physical defender. I think he can, yeah, probably at some point guard fives. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I, oh, go ahead. Oh no, I was just going to move on to another thing uh, that I saw. Um, was pretty intriguing about him. I mean. Pretty physical, uh, what you call it, finisher as well. Especially, you know, down into pick and rolls, and uh, you know, being being the guy that gets set up, pretty much. Or you mean set people up? Or set? Yeah, sorry. I, we'll we'll talk about the uh, the yeah, the inverse of that in a bit. But he's yeah, as you said, a very like physical driver. Not particularly quick though, which could which could be a thing. But, like, I call him a very quirky driver. Like, he has very weird rhythm to him when he drives. Like, you know, he has, like, some great – like, the word that was used was crafty. But And the way he gets to the rim, it's, like, very kind of weird angles, kind of weird herky-jerky. And as I said, just a weird way to drive, but it's pretty effective, like, using his body and just sneaking in through certain angles. And as you mentioned – also a very talented passer to say the least mm-hmm. yeah i, I want to say he possibly got that because he 
I read that he did play as a guard in uh, Europe. I, I want to say FIBA. I don't know if it was the EuroLeague, to be honest. But, uh, yeah, I mean, a guy from uh, France pretty much uh, – yeah, let, let's yeah. not let's not pretend we all love French people before this. You know, <laughs> Vic, Vic is Vic is the guy, and he he's gonna pave that way. But let's not forget Rudy Gobert came came before him, or he or he walked before everyone else could run. I, I was I was trying to get your reaction to see if this is gonna be another guy that you're gonna despise if he gets to the league, regardless if he comes to the Kings or not. Oh, now we'll we'll talk about that in a bit. But uh, yeah, as we mentioned, the crafty, really physical finisher, and yeah, can pass. The guy he reminds me of actually is kind of Kyle Anderson, just kind of how really, really slow. Like again, not a very quick guy, but has a certain way of like a driving that throws guys off. Like it's so weird. It's it's just it's a weird way to attack, and it works. Slow mo is more like you know he's very slow that it throws you off, but cities yeah Sissoko has a way of like just th- kind of just throwing guys off rhythm. I, I don't I don't fully know how to describe it the way he drives. Yeah, it's it's kind of hard to say. I mean, he definitely uses his physicality as well in terms of like try shoulder guys and uh, you know use his uh, strength to uh, body guys, but. Yeah, it's, uh, when you mention how slow he is, yeah, it's, it's hard to describe unless you actually watch the footage. Yeah, for those of you that are interested, he is a very weird, interesting player, to say the least. The, mm-hmm. Like, yeah, not very quick, but has a way of getting to the rim. And, you know, can he can absorb contact as well. He can draw contact. You know, again, just a very unique driver. One of the more unique guys that I've seen, just a guy that doesn't rely on like straight brute strength, but doesn't re- but doesn't have the quickness to just blow by guys, but somehow makes it work. Um, okay, now we talked a lot about his on-ball game. His off-ball game is a bit of a concern to me. He's not much of a shooter, and from the clips that we saw, not a cutter either. Yeah, let's let's talk about his shooting first. Um... Yeah, it's very everywhere. <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. It's like he, 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 every time he shoots, it you just hope that it's relatively close to the rim. I that's all I could say. I mean, sometimes he airballs, sometimes he overshoots. I mean, there's some months where he uh, had very high uh, percentages in catch and shoots, but I mean, other months or other games could be like he's non-existent in terms of shooting. So the, his percentage is that he shot 30% over the year. He shot 33% from three uh, for, on catch and shoots uh, for about a month. And then for the last two months, he shot 36%. So not good numbers overall. And what is a bit concerning to me, like in the same in the same vein as Noah, uh, Noah Clownley, like I believe he can be a good shooter for something I just believe in his shot because it doesn't look bad or anything. In the same vein, like City Sissoko has the same thing. It, it's a good-looking form, in my opinion. Although I don't like how he brings the ball up on his left side and then kind of, kind of like crosses his body to go to the right side. But it looks good until you see the result. It's vi- like that he he throws up bricks, <laughs> like for real. 
Yeah, I mean, I could see him developing into a better shooter in the league, but that that's going to take a while, I feel, because I, I, we talked about this off air for a little bit. I think he definitely needs to find that touch uh, when it comes to uh, this area. And I, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. The fact that him and Clownly shot look good and it's still not going in, maybe that's something to be concerned about. I've heard that, like, that's not a good sign usually for a shooter when everything looks good, but it just doesn't go in. Like, it's just touch at that point, and it's hard to be able to develop touch. Yeah, especially, I mean, he's still young, I guess you could say. Yeah, he's yeah. 19 years old. So. Yeah, so... He might have time to develop something in the future, but as of right now, coming out of the G League into the draft, I mean, yeah, you're not going to expect much. <laughs> like, you know, arrest the guys in this, uh, you know, area of the draft. So th- that, that like, the shooting is what it is. Not many guys come into the league, like, as a knockdown shooter for the most part. What does concern me is this lack of a cutting game. Like from the clips that I've watched, not much of a cutter. Mostly operates on ball. And we just mentioned when, he do, when he's not a good shooter. So like my concern is with him off ball. Like doesn't do, doesn't seem to have a great feel for At least I didn't see it. And then also like he can't really shoot. So like that's just going to be a real spacing problem. It, it, do you think that's something that he can just learn on, on the fly? Like at least like he can cut. I mean, I think cutting should be fine as long as he gets a full head of steam. I mean, dunking shouldn't be a problem for him. I'm hoping layups shouldn't be a problem for him. But in terms of his 1v1 or even in ISO situations, I'm not going to expect much from him at all. Yeah, so that, that's also another kind of thing. Kind of thing. Like, as I mentioned, that his quirky rhythms, he's, his lack of quickness, and like, you know, you, relying a lot on physicality as well. Like, do you think that's going to be able to translate to the main roster when if he if the Kings decide to draft him? Uh, excuse me. Um, it's hard to say. I mean, offensively, he could play the bare minimum, like kind of like a Metu role. Definitely better in terms of defense. I could probably <laughs> assure you of that. But um, yeah, other than that, I can't see him having such a big role other than being that uh, kind of pick and roll guy potentially. Mm, it'll be tough for me to see him in the Metsu role. Metsu could like bl- go get up, and like that does have value. Just being able to catch lobs. I don't know if City is that. Mm. Yeah. N- I haven't seen much of clips of him catching any lobs, so uh, yeah, it'll be it'll be tough, I guess you could say. Okay, we mentioned it a little bit earlier um, about just his, like, if he, if he were to be drafted to another team, would it be one of my one of my personal villains? So he has a propensity to do, to really foul to be v- overly physical on some fouls. He also tends to get frustrated as well, it seems, and just like lays guys out with a hard foul. And like a lot of some of the stuff he does, like he gets into really physical wrestling matches for rebounds, which is a good thing, I think. But like it's some of the stuff he tends to do is borderline dirty. Like it, it's very goonish. 
like some of the some of the fouls that he commits like out of frustration it seems like there was one move that us uh, um what was it called uh boxing one pointed out like he likes to pull guys down on on rebounds like that's straight dirty <laughs> like honestly are you okay with this kind of behavior do you think if you were to be drafted to the kings in my opinion no <laughs> i don't i personally don't like like super duper uh whatchamacallit dirty plays i mean probably like one or two a game is fine but the way he does it is like jesus it's like he's definitely gonna be uh whatchamacallit Russ' favorite call every single game if he comes on the floor yeah it, but like at the same time like i look i i don't condone this kind of behavior but the kings do need that kind of guy like just to get into guys's face like you know i hate to say it the one time that i can remember having this is uh he's just played in the conference finals tristan thompson was like one guy that would just rough guys up a little bit like when he played now like he did get i, I wouldn't say he was dirty but he definitely like used all the tricks in the book yeah. i wouldn't hate it if like C- city did something similar on the kings Mm. I'll have to see it to believe it. Plus, I mean, if if he does come to Kings, of course we're gonna support it because he's our guy. Um, so but as of right now, I don't think he's the type of guy that should be doing it, especially with our team. So it's yeah, it's a tough no for me. Mm, that's interesting. Okay. Um well, uh, that's all the notes I have on him. Like, looking back on th- these three guys, how would you rank these three? Just, just like, you know, out of these three, how, how would you rank them? In I, terms of, like, what you what you want the Kings to pick? I definitely would go Maxwell Lewis first, then City and Sissoko, then Noah Clownley. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. okay. I well, I have I have Maxwell first, uh, Clownley two, and then Sissoko three. Can you can you go into why you have uh, Sissoko third? I do like his defense. That's for sure. I mean, he has a pretty deep bag in terms of uh, defensive versatility. I know his offense isn't great and all, but I would say. Uh, it can develop into something maybe within the three, maybe four years. I'd say uh, if he does stay with us uh, during uh, if we do draft him, uh, like I said, I, the foul trouble kind of worries me, uh, and especially with the dirty fouls that uh, Suzuko does do. But you know, it, <laughs> I'm gonna be a little dark here. It does sound pretty nice. <laughs> Uh, but with Noah Clowney, I don't know. Like I said, he's kind of like the jack of all trades, master of none. He definitely has a lot of um things to fix and uh, a lot of uh, what you call it practice, I guess. Uh, to become that kind of guy for the Kings, in my opinion, I think he'll be more of a project kind of guy, which I would definitely see probably a lot less time. Uh, if he was going to be on the floor with the Kings, then why is it a guy like Sizoko? So, yeah, that's that's why I chose Sizoko over Clowney. 
Okay, I okay, I get, I get, I get your reasoning. Um, although I just, I just think Sissoko had like his lack of a cutting game does concern me. I don't know if that's something you can learn on the fly. Um, uh, if you don't have it, that like that's a lot of feel stuff, and I don't know if you know he if he could actually like get that into his game. Although, like again, he has really good like passing feel, so probably he can. But I, there's there's just enough concerns for me to see him be able to kind of fit into the Kings. Like, his, if you can't play off ball, there's no place for you, really. Hmm. Um, and he's not good enough to the point where you're going to say, oh, we got to give Sissoko the ball and not mm-hmm. De'Aaron or Sabonis. Like, that's not going to happen. So it, that's that would be tough for me to see him fit in. Um, Clownley, I think the, the best version of Clownley can be a very good player for the Kings, I think. Yeah. And I, I would just take a shot at him. Um, and then Maxwell Lewis is pretty self-explanatory. He can shoot, got some wing size, a lot of defensive potential. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's a there's a lot with him. And I, I think I would rather take a risk with Lewis more than anything. Oh, yeah, definitely. I could understand that. Uh, but for me, between these three, definitely the gap between Maxwell Lewis and the other two is pretty far apart in my opinion <laughs> as of right now like if we were going to rank all six as of right now i think uh both Clowney and suzoka are pretty far in the bottom for me as of right now okay well going back to uh last week's episode you know we had chris murray kobe jones and uh um kobe, kobe buffkin. buffkin yeah kobe buffkin where would you rank where would you rank max uh, along with those those three? Oh god I'm trying to remember, <laughs> like, uh, what we chose. I think we chose Kobe, right? I I'm pretty sure I didn't choose Kobe. Uh, I, I think I I think I chose Chris just because of the size. Was it Chris? Man, I I, I think forgot. I think you I think you chose Kobe. I don't remember you choosing Chris. So yeah, I I would say oh great, I forgot which Kobe now. There's two Kobe's. Jones. Okay. I think so too. So I, I think I would have picked actually I hope I might actually pick Maxwell over Kobe at this point. It's kind of tough, but I'm gonna for now I'm gonna say Maxwell, then Kobe Jones, then Chris, then Buffkin, then Suzoko, then Clowney. <laughs> Okay, so here, well, I'll just do my top three. I'm gonna go Maxwell, Chris, and then Clownly. Again, I just, I just think Clownly, the the best version of Clownly is is a guy that the Kings need. Hmm. We're fitting great, and then Maxwell, like he just has all the prototypes of everything we need. Yeah, like, and then Chris Murray is six eight, and can hmm. possibly do a lot of things the Kings will need. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, I do like Clowny myself. It's just, I think it takes. I think he's going to need a lot of work in order for him to fit into the Kings. And I don't know if time is uh, there, to be honest, for me. All right, Noah Clownley, if you, for whatever reason, ever listen to this, use that hatred that Fong just displayed. Foster <laughs> it and prove him wrong, okay? Yeah, prove me wrong. <laughs> you show him. I'll buy his jersey. If we do draft it, I'll buy his jersey. <laughs> Okay, well, that takes care of the draft stuff uh, for us. All right, let's uh, move on to, uh, okay, some Kings news to start. Okay, so 
well, it's been a while, but over the weekend, uh, Sasha Vazenkov did lose in the EuroLeague, I think, like, semifinals? It's not the finals yet. It was, like, literally the round before the finals. And I managed to catch uh, the fourth quarter, which was very entertaining. Unfortunately, Olympiacos didn't kind of, they basically blew a four-point lead late. And uh, it was very unfortunate. Um, it was, they, uh, so the guy that hit the game winner, Sergio Yule, I think is Yule, Yule, um, hit the game, hit like this crazy, ridiculous rainbow game winner over someone. I, I don't even know who it is to win the game. And uh, unfor- for whatever reason, down the stretch, Olympiacos did not like run plays for uh, for Sasha and he just didn't touch the ball much. And, um, you know, it was head scratching to me and they lost the game. And I just felt, you know, you, you got you got to pull an NBA. You just got to give it to Sasha in the high post and just let him create. But that's not how that offense works. But um, did, were you able to watch it fall? Yeah, definitely not. <laughs> no. Well, okay. Well, anyways, uh, so observations I have from that game. Sasha moves so much without the ball. Like, I just complain about, like, you know, them not running anything for him. He makes do with that. Like, he just keeps moving. He keeps, like, busy. He always, like, he's always doing something. And that is a very encouraging sign for me when, you know, when and if he he comes to the Kings. Yeah. I mean, the team... I mean, meaning Olympiacos in general are very unselfish players. And I would say they definitely find a better shot around the team rather than, you know, try to create for themselves. So it's definitely a big plus for Sasha to be that type of player to be uh, coming into the Kings, I feel. Uh, But man, that that kind of sucks. I, I wonder how the team will be without him, to be honest. Well, we'll have to see, but like the, the main, again, I just talk about, he's always doing stuff off the ball. Even when he gets the ball, he's making a very quick decision with it. It does not stick to his hands at all. Like he is, he is immediately like either, you know, about to put a shot up. He's going to shot fake and then move on to the next action. It just does not stick. It, it's beautiful stuff. He, he's, he is a product of beautiful basketball. I'll, I'll just say. Mm-hmm. And like, there was one play where he, like shot he shot like a 25 footer and it was pure his release is ridiculously quick does not need much space at all to get it all there's a, a lot of really encouraging stuff overall um yeah uh so you know like yeah talking about whether he'll come uh i did read like somewhere that his goal was to win the euro was to win the, the euro league finals and had he won the euro league finals he was 100% coming over they have lost the EuroLeague finals or they didn't even make it to it. So, you know, the question is still up in the air whether he's coming or not. From what I've heard, he is very likely coming, but there's still a small chance he might not come and wants to, you know, fin- finish, you know, take care of unfinished business with the EuroLeague. Uh, yeah, that's that's a tough one, I'd say. Um, not going to lie, if I were him, I'd probably... I probably would stay, not gonna lie. Not to, not trying to be like not wanting to uh for him to come to the Kings, but I mean I I would definitely want to try winning it uh with the same team and running it back and uh, uh whatchamacallit, finishing uh that unfinished business before, you know, going to the big leagues. 
I, I get that reasoning, but at the same time, think about it this way. You're not going to have that many more chances to get into the NBA again. That is also true. Like you're only going to get that many chances and you know, try it out, you know, get, get some, like, see if you like it. If you don't like it within two years, you can come back to the yearly and granted you're a bit older at that point, but hell, you know, the, the team could change. It could be a totally different situation and you could be the missing piece for them. Who knows? Mm-hmm. That is very true. But I, I do want him to come. The more I hear about him, the more I just watch his game. Like he's going to be so good if he joins the Kings. The defense is kind of whatever. Like he didn't really do anything on that end. Like he didn't stand out. I'll just say when I was watching him, like whether good or bad. I mean, it's perfect but, for the Kings. But offensively, great. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And then uh, the other piece of Kings news: uh, Jordy Fernandez. He is advancing to the second round of the Suns head coaching job, uh, along with Nick Nurse, Frank Vogel, Doc Rivers, and Suns assistant Kevin Young. Um, although Chris Haynes did have essentially a counter report saying that the Suns are not fully in the final round yet. Uh, they are still meeting with Kenny Atkinson and Charles Lee for the first round of interviews. Uh, that might have happened already, but... Uh, Jordy is going to be a finalist within within like that coaching search, which he's dealing with a lot of heavyweights. I'll just say that. Yeah, that's pretty crazy that he's next to these big names that we've uh, seen throughout the years. And I mean, gosh, imagine the Suns just choose Doc Rivers after all. Of this. I was I was about to say like that would just that would just be hilarious. Oh my gosh! Imagine him. Not making the conference finals again. Look, look, I'll defend Doc here. He's a good coach. Like he he can get out like when he when you're when you have like a team that let's just say is not like filled to the brim with talent, he will get a lot out of that team. Now, when you get the stars, that's when he gets into trouble. But I will defend him in this in this regard. In the on his last two teams, those were two, those were two pairs of some of the weirdest stars you're ever gonna deal with. Kawhi Leonard, um, you know, never never basically always load manages. Paul George, not healthy almost ever consistently anymore. And then you have Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. And that you know, Joel Embiid, injury bug. Ben Simmons, one of the worst meltdowns of all time by any player. And a guy that refuses to shoot threes despite being however many years it, it, he is into his career. Just very weird situations with their stars, with, with his stars. Devin Booker and Kevin Durant are going to be able to take care of themselves, I think. I don't think they're going to be huge ego guys. I think these guys legitimately are locked in and want to win and like will do anything to win. And... I just think that that's an upgrade from, you know, the Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, James Harden uh, trio, and then the uh, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George uh, duel. Hmm. I could definitely see that. But, I mean, out all the names on this list, I mean, he's not my first choice. Uh, uh, yeah, when I saw Dark Rizal, what the fuck? Really? <laughs> We're really going to do this after what it just happened? Granted, James Harden vomited all over himself. Like, Joel Embiid is injured again. Again, very weird situations. Yeah, I mean, let's hope uh, the Suns make a decent uh, decision, and we'll see. I no, mean... I want them to hire Doc. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> really? I want them to hire Doc because, like, just 
think of the chaos. Now, granted, I, I think they'll take care of themselves, but it'll just be funny if they, if they, for whatever reason, like just flame out again. And now they're stuck with Doc. And like Doc is collecting like five paychecks from like no. three different teams. No, this regarding Doc in this list, I mean, who who would your first choice be? Uh, honestly, probably Nick Nurse. Second choice would probably be Frank Vogel. Mm-hmm. I don't want Jordy to leave. Honestly, Jordy would probably be the more radical and probably the best decision. But like Nick Nurse, like he's a championship level coach, you know, a mad scientist type guy. He's a good coach. Frank Vogel has proven to be a good coach um, and like can coach a lot of defense. So, and then you just have to, you know, fi- figure it out on offense. Just let the players figure that out with you because you have Kevin Durant and Devin Booker. I think that could work. Um, Doc, again, like it'd be interesting. I just wouldn't pick Doc if you want to win a yeah, championship, yeah. that is. Yeah, I definitely picked Norris out of all of them, to be honest. Um, my opinion, I think Kenny would have a pretty good run for the money, but I mean, I don't know about the situation between him and KD. I think it should have been fine at the time, to be honest. But no, it was all Kyrie's fault. Uh, you know, yeah. KD t- didn't totally enable that, but no, it was Kyrie's fault. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's a it's an interesting situation. Uh, like Jordy, uh, you know, we hope the best for him. But we really hope he stays he stays on the case because he yeah he he's a good he's a good he's a good coach and he's gonna get a job at some point. But mm-hmm. let's delay that for now. Yeah, I wonder how the payout is for assistant coaches because I know for sure for the NFL, I mean the difference in pay between like an offensive or def- defensive coordinator to a head coach is pretty significant. Yeah, it's it is a decently significant change, if I remember right. Mm. So yeah, always uh, think about uh, what you call it that money first. <laughs> and finally, our last topic of the episode is the conference finals. So let's start with uh, the the one that's already ended: Nuggets versus Lakers. I had said that. I thought LA was going to take the two games and that is going to be a 2-2 series by now. Uh, that did not happen. Instead, the other series is a 3-2 right now. We'll get to that, but Nuggets sweep the Lakers pretty decisively for the most part. Um, game four, I thought LeBron, he left it all out on the floor. And one of the reasons why I thought like they were at least going to win one of the games was LeBron in an elimination game? He ain't going to let that shit happen. He ain't going to let a team sweep him the way that the Nuggets did. But Jokic was amazing. Jamal Murray was amazing. Aaron Gordon was amazing. And everyone else did their part. And no one else really on the Lakers showed up. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I remember pretty much for the first half of the game, it was pretty much all LeBron, I'd say. I mean, there but was he, some. He literally couldn't miss. He he chucked a lob and it went in for a three. Like he yeah, couldn't miss. Yeah. He straight up couldn't miss. And I mean, I, I would say Austin Reeves and AD did try to do something in the second half, but my God, I mean, the offense that the uh, what you Nuggets were running were was just. It just kept on going in <laughs> in terms of uh, scoring. 
I'll I'll give credit to Austin Reeves. I thought Austin Reeves was good. I thought they didn't go to him enough in the end. Like, you know, he's he's gonna get the bag and he's gonna deserve the bag. He's good. Um, I thought AD was pretty bad. Like, you know, defensively, he was good for the most part, but in the modern era, it being good on defense as a big man just isn't enough. Like, you need to be able to play offense. And I thought, you know, like the Lakers, especially with LeBron, were going to dice up Jokic on the defensive end. And like AD was going to feast on Jokic. But instead, he tried to post up Jokic and like try to like face up, try to drive at him straight up. And it just, Jokic like just destroyed him on the defensive end when he tried to do that. Like, mm-hmm. I thought they were going to run pick and roll and Jokic was going to have no hope. But instead, like, AD kept going at Jokic and it just was not happening. Yeah, I think the Lakers needed to do something. It's just a bunch of random stuff, I'd say, that they were trying to do that definitely didn't work. And uh, one guy that was really disappointing and always probably will be disappointing was D.U.O. <laughs> do we need? Do we even need to talk about him? Like he, I, he, it's gotten to that point where I'm just like, who? Sadly, yeah. I mean, other than that, Lonnie Walker, I'd say, didn't play as well as he did this uh, series as well. Unlike, uh, you know, him in the Warrior series. But I mean, yeah, it's just the rest of the team needed to step up. And definitely the only three guys that could do anything was LeBron, AD, and Austin Reeves, in my opinion. Yeah, I just, you know, D, look, I'll, I'll give credit to D'Lo. D'Lo was good in the Warriors series, and, like, they kind of, they needed him to, like, you know, end that series, and he was good, but he just couldn't get it going this series. Um, Because, like, now, granted, no, Yogi's is not a rim protector, but, like, the, the Nuggets' defense is just overall so good with, like, KCP, Aaron Gordon, those guys that, you know, D'Lo just couldn't get to his spots very well, and... Yeah, they ended up having to bring him up off the bench, and that didn't really work either. I mean, he was a plus six, so credit to him for that. But he's he needed to be better, and he, he, they needed more from him, and he just he just didn't give them what they needed. However, someone that did give them exactly what they needed was Tristan Thompson, of all people. Tristan <laughs> Thompson was actually kind of good in this game, like kind of stonewall Jokic for a few possessions early in the fourth. But like, there's only so much you can do to Jokic before. You know, he Jokic's. Yeah, I think it was too little too late, in my opinion. I mean, I wouldn't say Tristan Thompson was the deciding factor for sure. But in terms of um, defense, I mean, it did stop Jokic for uh, just for, I'd say, a little bit. Because Jokic was still pretty unstoppable, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. Like, the fact that he was able to turn AD into Swiss cheese, like, he's so good. And he breaks the record for most consecutive triple doubles. And also, like, the most, I forgot what the, I forgot what the other one was. He broke, like, two of Will Chamberlain's record in one game. He he is the best player in in the league right now, and is not even close. In a game where LeBron goes absolutely bonkers from three, you know, 40 points, he wasn't the best player on the floor. It was Jokic. Oh, yeah, that's for sure. It's just too bad because, I mean, LeBron did his best. And the man def- played the man played 47 and 20 seconds. 
Like, I yeah. that's crazy. I really thought the Lakers had it in the bag for game four, which I mean, again, too little too late. But I mean, if it weren't for that Jokish like crazy one legged three, <laughs> I think it would have been a different, totally different game. I like look that that shot sh- like was amazing and it really halted a run. I I just thought the 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 Nuggets just had more guys and like LeBron he had I think thirty points in the first co- in the first half and ten points the rest of the way he gassed out and mm. the, the the Nuggets they just had more legs and more people contributing like Jamal Murray was good again Aaron Gordon Michael Porter Jr. their starters were all really good and on the on the Lakers side it really just wasn't enough. Um, you know, Rui, I thought he was actually really good during the series, three for 12. Um, Dennis Schroeder, five for 15. Like, they just, they just didn't get enough from their guys. And yeah, I thought that was the difference. Uh, now, does this justify LeBron's decision to retire? I mean, I can understand, like, look, 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 we'll get this out of the way. No, he is not retiring. This is <laughs> probably him just, honestly, let's be honest, like, just being, being a drama queen a little bit, trying to get all the attention, because he did that, and guess what? Ain't nobody talking about the Nuggets advancing to the finals for the first time ever. They're talking about, will LeBron James retire? It's a It's a very masterful tactic by him. And, you know, you got to appreciate the level of pettiness to a certain degree, just uh, stealing the headline there. But I-, I can understand it from his perspective. Motherfucker, I'm 38 years old. I'm the oldest dude on the team. I'm one of the oldest players in the league. I just put up 40 points. I played near, damn near the whole game. And we still fucking lose? Like, wh- wh- where's my guy AD? Like, Austin Reeves, I, th- I thought he did what he can, but like, what the fuck, AD? Like I'm I'm 38 years old, and you're the one who looks gassed at the end. Yeah, we'll see how the Lakers, wait, I guess rebuild again because I really thought that this revamp team that they did uh, mid-season way was a good enough team to make it all the way, but after facing the Nuggets. I think we underestimated the Nuggets of just how good they were. Like yeah. I had thought, like the Kings. Look, I didn't think they would have had a great chance against the Lakers, but I thought had they run into the Nuggets, they were toast. Because let's be honest, the Nuggets are kind of a better version of the Kings if you think about it. Like you know, Aaron Gordon's like a souped-up version of Chemezi Metsu. Michael Porter Jr. is basically a souped-up version of Keegan Murray. And then you have like Case, KCP and Herder aren't comparable, but like you know, Fox and Fox and uh. Fox and Murray kind of cancel each other out. You can probably flip a coin on that. But Jokic is a better version of Sabonis. Like they're just a better, they're just a damn good team. Like we underestimate how good they were. And yeah, they showed it. They they decisively beat beat the King. I mean, beat the Lakers during the series. Oh, yeah, that's for sure. And then like to go back to the LeBron equation, like part of so like part of it, I thought it was him being a little dramatic. Part of him was being probably frustrated from him having to do anything and it still wasn't enough. But then also like he like, let's not forget, he does have like a really badly injured foot that he probably should should have gotten surgery like right before the season ended. But instead, you know, LeBron is a winner and is just a tough son of a bitch. He managed to kind of like, tough it out all the way to the conference finals he probably needs surgery 
And from one of the quotes I read, he was, I thought, I thought I read something along the lines of like, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to be here at the beginning of the season. I actually thought I read that as, oh, I'm going to have surgery and it's going to take me a little bit to get back. I'm not going to be here at the beginning of the season, but I'll be here, you know, midway or at the end of the season. That's how I read it on one of the quotes. Hmm. Yeah, we'll have to see. I mean, I don't think there's been uh, any news on like the length of his surgery or when he's going to be getting it. Yeah, you know, what to what to see the LeBron what the LeBron James of feet can do. Um, also, also the, the last thought I have on this, he's trying to pressure the uh, the front office into doing something. As I mentioned, he played forty seven minutes. You know what? Let's just say 48. He basically played 48. It says 48 on ESPN, but you know, like he played the whole game and it just wasn't enough. Front office, Genie Buzz, Rob Palenka, go get me more help. And right now, I think he wants to pressure them into getting Kyrie. However, I, I did read it, I did read that the Lakers are intent on keeping Rui and Austin and Austin Reeves. And there's no way for them to sign Kyrie unless he takes a minimum. Like there's no way for them to get Kyrie, so I think this is also him trying to trying to like you know get some leverage and to try and pressure the the front office into doing something drastic to improve this team. Whether that could be trading AD, even like they he wants them to he wants them to do, make a big move. Yeah, and we'll have to see because it seems like they're gonna have to make a lot of big moves in the off season because so. Definitely those two guys, or maybe 80 and, you know, Austin Reeves, Rui, are safe. The rest of the guys, it's going to be hard to, you know, I think uh, trade, in my opinion. Um, D-O, yeah. He gone. He gone. He gone. Yeah, he's gone. Um, Who else? I still want Lonnie to be in this team. I think Lonnie is a really good player and he could prove himself in the next level, but uh, he's he's still kind of like the unknown to me, I feel. They they probably need a a better like a, a bit of an upgrade, but he's not he's not a bad option. And I think he has a player option, so that's actually up to him. Hmm. But like they might need to explore this. This might be a steaming hot take. They might need to trade Anthony Davis. Like, look, don't get me wrong. I still stand by it. He is the best defender in the league. Like, in the playoffs, he showed it. But he just, he disappears way too often for my liking. Yeah. Like, sure, he does a lot on defense, but, like, he needs to do more. Like, I don't know why the hell he's ever, like, camped out in the corner trying to space. Run, like, just demand the ball in the pick and roll. Like, demand that the team run pick and roll with you because you're the best role man in the league. And, look, as a superstar, you need to take things into your own hands in some ways. But although, to, to be fair, taking the ball into his hands means, like, posting him up, and that just wasn't happening. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not a good option. But, like, he disappears way too often for my liking. Like, he needs to do more. And, again, LeBron is the one that is older and played more minutes, yet somehow you're the one who looks absolutely dead at the end. Mm, like, no. I don't, I don't like that does not look good. And like you could say, oh, he's guarding Jokic. LeBron was guarding Jokic. He's fine. Well, he was gassed too, but like I'm just saying, like LeBron is putting it all on the line, and I just don't see you doing it. No. 
I'm not gonna say this is gonna happen, but do you think a Kyrie sign and trade for AD will work? Uh, theoretically, I mean, honestly, that be that would be great for Dallas. <laughs> I, I don't think the Lakers will do it though. It's too radical because like they lose AD, like that's your entire defense. Hmm. Like, yeah. yeah, I, I just yeah. don't think you can do it. Maybe sign a trade. Like, the, although I don't think you talk about you want to get real radical. They talk about Draymond wanting to like almost angling himself to get to LA. Draymond and AD swap. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that'd be that'd be crazy for the Warriors. But Draymond yeah. uh, yeah. in LA though, uh... that's a horrible fit. <laughs> but like, yeah, that, that's the thing. Like people keep talking about, like, oh, Draymond's gonna lead the Warriors. Who wants him? He doesn't fit much of anyone. Phoenix, Phoenix would be interesting. That's an interesting destination. But like, he's such a specific player that I think very specifically works with Curry. And uh, I don't know, like, you know, look, I, I don't, I don't, I think AD stays in LA, but like, yeah, there are some radical things that could happen. Who knows? Yeah, I guess we have, well, yeah, we'll have to see. Okay, well, let's move on to the other series. Now, I had said, hilariously enough, this one was going to be the sweep because, you know, Boston had lost both at home and then, you know, and then like both games are, and then like games three and four in Miami, they're going to sweep. Um, it didn't look like that in game three. I wish, I wish we could record after game three. And I said, I would have said, this shit is over. This is done. <laughs> but instead, the last two games, it looks like the Celtics have found their rhythm and they're hitting their threes again. So now it's three, two heading back to Miami for game six. Yeah, I mean, I said in five. Yeah, no, this is. I don't know. I'm pretty scared for Miami because they're now missing uh, Gabe Vincent, and I mean Tyre Harrell, sure, but I don't know. It's like my Miami needs to step up, but at the same time, I cannot see. Um, whatchamacallit, both Marcus Smart and Derek White ever playing this well, uh, you know, in the next game. And this is, and that will be the game that Miami has to win or else I I definitely think it's going to be Boston in seven. I think, I think that he can win game seven on the road, but you don't want to be in that situation. You're going to want to end it in, uh, you're going to want to end it in Miami in six and, you know, uh, like the, I'll say this, like, yeah, probably Marcus Smart and uh, Marcus Smart and Derek White don't shoot a combined 10 for 14 from three. My counter argument is that I don't think Tatum goes one for six from three. That's right? true. So th- there's that. Wow. Jalen Brown, no free throws. That's interesting. <laughs> uh, but like the. The Celtics live and die by the three. And the last two games, they've hit, I think, 18 threes in game in game four and then 16 threes in this game. Like, I thought the I thought the Heat played sloppy as hell. Like 16 turnovers. That is horrible. And they it led to a lot of runouts. Like in I thought in the half court defense, Miami did well enough up until like the guys started uh, up until like, you know, the final shot where they just hit the three. 
you know, I, the, I wouldn't be that worried if I was if I was Miami. Although I would be just because you, Game Six is kind of a must win for them. I think they could. I think they can. Like, it would depend on whether or not Boston makes their threes, basically, and the Heat defense are going to do what they're going to do to try and limit those attempts. But it's a bit of a toss up right now. Like the Celtics, like weirdly enough, like winning game, winning game four gave them a bit of life. And maybe this carries them all the way to the end of the, all the way to the finals even, but you never know. Maybe they just go cold again. Uh, Yeah, we'll have to see, but I, gosh, I just, for some reason, just want the underdogs to win. And I really thought this will be the game. But it's not. So I'm hoping for the best for Miami at this point because I really do think Jimmy deserves the ring. Then again, I don't know how well this team's gonna do against the Nuggets. I don't think they're I don't think they're beating the Nuggets. The Nuggets are so good. I know. But it'd be pretty like you said in the previous episode, it'd be a pretty nice story if somehow the Miami Heat trumps the Nuggets in the finals. Yeah, that would that would be absolutely amazing. And you know, look, the 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 Heat still have the advantage. Like Jimmy Butler didn't play that much during this game, although granted he wasn't that good. But like you know, they're resting up for Game Six, and they'll have plenty of rest. And then you know, you just hope that you know, again, the Celtics just don't like bomb away from three. It's not like they actually played crazy well either. Like you know, they just happened to hit a lot of threes. And the Heat didn't. And that's really that was really the difference in the game. Yep. I guess we'll see how uh, game six is going to turn out. And that's going to be what? Oh, Saturday. Oh, man. So do you say Miami is six or, or do you think uh, something like seven? I'm still, I still have faith in Miami. I'm going to say Miami and six. I am going to right with you. Miami and six, they're going to come out strong and they're going to end it. Let's hope so. Yeah. So, okay. Well, um, that's all I have on my docket. Uh, Anything else you want to quickly talk about? Well, I mean, Night Champions is also on Saturday. Uh, Was it Saudi uh, show this time too? Uh, Yes. Let me just pull up the card real quick. Let Let me just see. Now that you bring that up. I mean, I've been trying to keep up here and there. It's, I don't know, not much is happening, really, I'd say, still. Yeah, like, the the big things aren't really happening. Like, the Bloodline storylines lost a lot of steam. Although, I do think, like, it still got something to it. It's still very interesting. Um, but, you know, with, with Roman, like, barely appearing on TV anymore, it's just hard for it to progress. I'm not that into the Cody and Brock stuff. Um, and, like, the Seth Rollins and AJ Styles, that's going to be a cool match. Um, Bianca Belair and Asuka, like, we just saw that at WrestleMania. Like, can Asuka win? Or why are we running this again? Um... Uh, Rhea Ripley versus Natalia. Sorry, but <laughs> that's how I feel about that. Becky yeah. Lynch and Trish Shadows, that's actually really good. Uh, that's actually a pretty good storyline so far. So, like, on Raw, Becky Lynch. So, basically, you know, you, you have Trish coming coming out and saying, I paved the way for, for you 
to be able to like be to be in this position to be a to be you know a, a woman star and becky and becky acknowledged that and said you know what you did pave the way but i have nightmares about the shit that you had to do and do you know about the bark like the dog segment oh god she man. brought that she brought that up and like i would something along the lines of i yeah, I I have nightmares about barking like a dog and stuff like that. And just a great line by Becky. Like just that's that's an that's an inc- that's incredible material. And yeah, I, I'm that actually got me interested in this feud now. Hmm. That's interesting. Uh other than that, I mean, is there any other noble matches? Um uh, yeah, I mean Gunther versus Mustafa Ali. I think that's gonna be a very fun match. I love Gunther. Like mm-hmm. everything he does is just amazing. Like I'm waiting for for him versus Brock. That's gonna be amazing. Whether that whether or not that whether that happens at WrestleMania or SummerSlam, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I guess I would say until the IC Championship kind of dies down for him, I could see him moving on. But as of right now, I think he should stay as IC for a little while longer, in my opinion. There, the, the rumor is is that he's going to hold on to that until uh, until he breaks Hockey Tonk's record, and that's going to be around October, I think. Ooh. I might be talking about it. I might be talking about my ass, but it's like towards the end towards the end of the year, which I'm fine with. He he's a great champion. Yeah, and I think WWE would love to break Hockey Tonk's uh, record like that. Yeah. Um, Roman Reigns and Solo Sokoa versus Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, undisputed champion or tag team champions. That's a weird one. I don't know who's gonna win it. Like, I like you know, knowing how Roman and Solo both don't ever really lose, you gotta pick them two, but them winning the titles doesn't make sense. Yeah, no, it doesn't. Probably not now. Probably not for a while, to be honest. Yeah, so I don't, I don't know how this one's gonna end. Um, I, I guess, I guess I'll watch. Although I, I probably won't be able to, but I'll, I'll watch the replay. Mm-hmm. I am intrigued by this, though. Um, on the on the other side of AEW, uh, so it looks like they're gonna they're gonna uh, start a show called Collision. That's basically gonna be CM Punk show, and they're gonna split the rosters up. But although there was a weird controversy with CM Punk or like last week where he was supposed to be like on the preview, but ultimately they pulled his name from the preview. There, there's a whole mess with like contracts and stuff like that. There, there's a lot of shit going on. Uh, at a certain point, I, I'm kind of tired. I'm tired of CM Punk at this point. Just mm. uh, I'm I'm personally just done with it. Um I, I personally think AEW just release him and just end this shit, but they literally just started a show because of him, so I don't think it's happening. Uh, I mean, I don't know much about AEW at uh, this point in time. To be honest, I don't think I've watched a single match of CM Punk since. I've, I have not watched his matches. Uh, I probably should, just because... You know, like I am critical of just like what he's done. Again, like let's not forget before the brawl out stuff, he was a very good citizen for the most part, and then like he just completely just turned into a Karen essentially, in my opinion, and just kind of started to shit on everyone and hate everything. So, you know, and ever since then, he's just been very toxic around the wrestling community. Like not him, not him, 
specifically, but the conversation around him. And you know, I just, I just, I just think AEW is just better off just cutting him off and then just moving on. But he's a draw, and there aren't that many draws left in the wrestling industry. So you get, I guess, they're gonna put up with it. Mm, yeah, yeah, we'll see. Okay. Um. Anything else you want to quickly talk about? Let's see. Not that I know of. Um. I mean, Destiny Two has a new season. What What was the big news? I saw. I saw in the text thread. So, spoilers. I guess it. For I mean, it's not really a spoiler because, I mean, Destiny literally brought out a whole trailer of like the very final um year for destiny 2 but in the trailer it shows um i don't know if you remember ikora uh, I, yeah so she talks about how we have joined forces with the guys that we've been fighting for all these years so like excuse me like the cabal um the Lixney, if you know who those yeah. are yes uh so pretty much join forces and now we're finding this like big boss man that's like a mythical space magician type guy. This so and Destiny that. Thanos. Uh pretty much, yeah. And uh in the other side of the fire that she's sitting in, there's Cade. Ah, oh, so that's so that's what you guys were talking about. He's back. Yeah. We're not sure. This is all speculations for now. But, uh, I mean, we don't know if he's, like, truly dead still or, like, this is an afterlife or something because, you know, Destiny doesn't really talk about much about that until uh, probably later on because, um, I don't know why. For for me, Destiny spoils a lot of stuff um, to the player base before it even happens. And, them showing Cade 6 this early before the final um, year of Destiny it seems kind of odd in my opinion. But I mean, it, it's pretty nice to see him back. Uh, and they got the original uh, voice actor for him to come back. So we'll see how this goes. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was actually pretty annoyed that they killed off Kate. Like, I, that was when I was playing. And, you know, that was actually legitimately sad. It was so sad, it actually made the main character speak for the first time. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, that's that's interesting. Um, by the way, I, I've been I've been watching some Halo stuff lately. Oh, boy. Apparently, apparently there's some people that have come back. I forgot who, but it just escapes my mind. But like someone that clearly died in the original trilogy, but for some reason they brought him back in Infinite, which I thought was really funny. Uh, but yeah, it just that that sounds very interesting. Uh, I I had lost. I, I was about to say something, but I just completely forgot. But I guess like you know, showing showing Kate like it builds anticipation for you know like I guess the final chapter or the you said this is the final year or just for this year final year oh this is the final year of destiny well this year is the second to last i i I think next year is the final and then there will be no content after or how's that gonna work Uh, who knows i mean uh we'll see what bungie does what what will you guys be doing 
<laughs> what, what will be left in this know, world? But uh, Bungie already released another trailer for another game that they have been uh, making. So we'll see how that goes. I mean, it's a it's PvP, uh, not really like a story based driven. I say I don't, not to my knowledge. Interesting. Okay. But uh, going back to the Halo stuff, are you talking about the show or the? No, game? no, Infinite, Infinite. Oh, I was about to say, I was like, the show, uh, I'm surprised you like it. No, <laughs> I've not heard good things <laughs> at all. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, so that, so I've been playing a lot of Halo. Uh, again, beat beat Halo, Halo Soul Legendary. Now I'm just doing, I guess, the par scores, trying to get the achievements. I don't know if I'm going to get all the achievements. I was just playing some of the nostalgia stuff. Like Halo Reach, like, you know, that that's actually a really fun game that's been fun to dive back into. But uh, one, but what I've been really doing a lot lately, been playing a lot of Witcher, and uh, I don't think you played a lot of these kinds of games. But basically, there's a lot of like um, small tasks to do in the Witcher. Yeah. There, so like you get it, you basically like go on a bulletin board. You just you basically spam like just take all the quests, take all the little quests, and then you start doing the little tasks, and. There are so many bulletin boards around around the world, and me being me, I have to finish all of them. <laughs> and right now, I am being overloaded because I just unlocked another area. I'm in the what's called Skill Skilligay Skilliga Skilligay. I forgot. I'm in the I'm in the island uh, map. And guess what? You got to start all over. So there's a bunch of like little question marks which basically are like little exploration tasks that you, you that's optional to do but me just me me just being me I have to do all of them so I've been just stuck doing that and not progressing the story so that's what I've been doing what you call it is this the third witcher this is the third witcher uh I see yeah I, I, ha- I actually have witcher free I've I've Only, never seen you play it. I know exactly. I, this is like very early on, back in when I had uh, when I first built my first PC. I mean, I played a little, but not to an extent because you know we had uh, we had PUBG at the time, which was a regretful mistake. Yeah, and you know, like I mean, you're not you're not an RPG guy, anyways. Like you, you rarely play these games, anyway. So yeah. I never, I never expect you to play it. It's it's very rare. I mean, maybe back in the Xbox days, I'll like uh, kind of dip my toe here and there with some RPGs. But nowadays, yeah, it's it's a it's a grind fest for sure. And I, I'm saying this as a Destiny two player for sure. But in terms of how much you can do in a single player RPG, it's even more ridiculous i feel yeah and but here's the interesting thing about the witcher they're still updating it really which is pretty crazy like there was i mean granted cyberpunk came out a while ago but there was like a weird easter egg that you would have had to play like um they they added it in after cyberpunk and apparently there's an easter egg in witcher that's related to cyberpunk so i, I thought that was really interesting they're still updating it which I mean, it's really cool, and why, uh, it's a fun. It's a fun game. Why is there new content at all? Or it, it, it is new, apparently. Huh, that's weird. And it's like free updates, or you have to buy a DLC for no, it. No, well, I have the complete edition, so I don't know if you uh, have to actually have to buy this. But like, they're still updating it, which is really cool. I see. Yeah, I only have the regular edition. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're not gonna play it anyway, so who cares? No. Yeah, I know. <laughs> 
Okay. Well, that's that's basically what I've been doing. I it's actually I played so much Halo lately. I'm actually considering getting Halo Infinite once the summer sales get going. So that's gonna be my net. That's gonna be my summer probably. Hmm. Yeah. Hopefully there'll be uh, more games coming out because so far it's. I feel, I feel like it's kind of bland in terms of uh, my end of the stick. I don't know about for you because you play a lot of um, older games, which I you know haven't touched in years. Yeah, I mean the summer. It's always the weirdest thing to me. The summer is a dry spell for for gaming. It like there's nothing out. They always come out at the same time, like during like the the November, the Black Friday season. Like, why is there no company that just comes out during like comes out with a game during the summer when it's completely dry for a lot for a lot of game like for the gaming industry as a whole? I don't mm. know. Uh, yeah, that's true. Hopefully, maybe some indie games that are up and coming maybe will come out. But I mean, that's a diamond in a rough. Uh, there, there might be one game I'm plan to get over the summer but it's uh it's definitely multiplayer yeah well let's see if i ever decide to get back into it who knows into what destiny no into multi some other multi i think i'm too far gone with destiny at this point <sighs> maybe i mean we we definitely will help you it's just there's too much time <laughs> too yeah, much time yeah. dedication. i don't think i don't think i'm for it anymore yeah i mean yeah okay well uh anything else you want to talk about uh not that i could know of for now and hopefully miami takes the cake on saturday and i'll maybe catch night champions later or in the morning i mean Okay, I didn't even mean to do this on purpose uh, i was just scrolling through steam to see if there's any uh, game so there's this game I just ran into, Action Tai Manon. It's an an so the the wallpaper is a anime lady with very large breasts, and then yeah, I decided to just click on it, and apparently there's nudity in this game. Yeah, I don't. Steam Steam has that. I it's, it's a fight. It's, it's a fighting game, which uh, that that's weird. Yeah, it's, it's the one thing I'd never expect Steam to have is a very big influx of those type of games. <laughs> Uh, now it doesn't get advertised uh, as much as like the bigger like AAA games, but I mean, what's you? I just scroll down, like, and I don't, I don't have these kinds of games. I'm like, I'm not one of those guys that buys these kinds of games. I'm not <laughs> even trying to front, like, and it just, I just happen to scroll down and run into it. So they're definitely advertising a little bit. You just got to do a little bit of the work. But let's see, this yeah. is this is free to play, so. I mean, they do have their own genre in terms of like searching for them too. Yeah. If you're down for that. <laughs> yeah, like I got a VR headset and then a game that was, again, I scrolled down and managed to find it. And it was like Sex with the Devil, I think was literally the name. And it's a VR game and it's exactly what it sounds like. So yeah, Steam's, Steam's being a little weird. Yeah, I mean, in my opinion, not much going on. I mean, Right I'm definitely now. going on YouTube looking, looking, just doing research on this, but, you know, <laughs> but, you know like if you, if you need the name, I'll, I can give it to you, but I'll, I'll take a look and then probably forget about it. Yeah, no, that's it's got fine. some Chinese, it's got some Chinese in this. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Let, we should probably just move on. We're, we're done. Yeah. <laughs> like, we're... Just, 
I I, I got to see what this game's about. Okay, <laughs> you go ahead and do that, I guess. Okay. All right. Well, uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, that was a well, a cold ending to say the least. Uh, I will let you guys know what this game is about on the next episode if you, if you guys are into that kind of thing. Yeah, I guess we'll see you guys later. Don't worry, I'll give you the name, Fong. Don't worry.